You're listening to the Rick Soto Podcast. For more information about Pastor Rick Soto and the Ranch Church, go to ranchchurch.com. Second Thessalonians chapter 2. If you wouldn't mind to turn your Bibles to that section of Scripture. Uh, I've entitled this message, The Mystery of Lawlessness. The Mystery of Lawlessness. Everybody loves a good mystery, right? Right? You know, sociologists have cracked the code why men, or I should say this way, why, why wives live on average about five years longer than husbands. And, and the mystery to that was go long. And, and so they cracked that code. And the answer, the men wanted to die. Just... <laughs> I know that's in bad taste sometimes, but... Now you know why I'm the third-string quarterback. <laughs> so, okay, so um, th- this section of Scripture, and, and what drew me to this uh, section of Scripture, of course, you know, prayer through the Holy Spirit, but the underlying theme of this section of Scripture, it has a way of defining the time that we're living in right now. And as we break this down, you're going to see that. You're, we're going to feel this, this uh, kinship to this section of Scripture as we go through it this morning. And uh, if you guys, for those of you who have your, your real Bibles and your, your digital Bibles with you, we are going to be also going to the book of 1 John. So if you wanted to put a bookmark in there so you guys are there, and then also Matthew 13. So those are two references we're going to be going through this morning, so I'll warn you ahead of time. So Matthew 13 and 1 John. Okay, 1 John 2 is, is what we're going through. So that being said, uh, before we go to the Lord in prayer, I just have one more quick announcement. And that is for all of you here, my ranch church family, for all of you who have been standing with uh, my wife Anna and I, on behalf of her and I, we uh, would like to thank you from the bottom of our hearts for your prayers for our son Gabriel. It was December 4th of last year that Gabriel came out of a 12-hour surgery with two new lungs. So that lung transplant surgery hasn't even been a year yet. He returns to work tomorrow. Amen. Amen. Now, to say that there haven't been complications and to say that it hasn't been a little rocky, there's been ups and downs, but for the most part, you know, as a father of three young children and, um, and being able to find the energy to do that and to also go back to work, um, praise God for his, his grace and his miracles. Okay, so um, that being said, let us go before the Lord in prayer. So, Father, as we... Open up our words this morning. We ask your Holy Spirit, as I do every time that I get to teach, is is that I just want to remind everybody here that nothing can be learned about the Scriptures from me, but it has to come from you. It has to come from your Holy Spirit. It has to come from your anointing. So I pray that the anointing of your Holy Spirit falls upon everyone here, that as we read this section of Scripture, you'll open up our eyes and ears and hearts and pour in what it is that you are teaching us right now. And we ask you these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, a little bit of a preface. The, the book of First Thessalonians was written in about the year 51 AD. And the temple in Jerusalem was destroyed by Rome in the year 70 AD. So the, so the temple was still standing. So that, that's going to help your understanding of what, what the Thessalonian people were talking, were, were thinking at this time. Now, Paul had instructed them for about a four-month period. He wasn't there very long for about four months, but he instructed them on what we like to call eschatology, which is just a fancy way of saying Bible prophecy. And in Bible prophecy, Paul 
taught the Thessalonian people, the church there, that the day of the Lord, the day of the Lord was when Christ came to gather his church together with him to be caught up, which is the word rapture. That's where we get the word rapture. The, the Greek used the word rapturos. It's, it's translated caught up. To be caught up in the air to, to be with Jesus because God's wrath was going to be poured out on the earth. Now, Jesus promised us that we would receive tribulation. But the tribulation received as being believers is tribulation from the world, or from Satan, or from each other, from our, from our kids, from our family, right? The, the tribulation of, of the saints is a far different thing than the great tribulation, a seven-year period that the book of Daniel calls the final week of the 70 weeks of Daniel. So this final seven-year period is a time when God's wrath is poured out on the earth. And we find that reference in Isaiah chapter 13, actually, in verse 9, okay? That that is the day of, the day of God's wrath, or, or the, the final week of God's wrath, that final seven-year period. So he taught the Thessalonian people, okay, that the day of the Lord was going to be this time to be caught up and to be together with the Lord in an event in heaven that we call the wedding supper of the Lamb because the church is the bride of Christ. Now, some confusion also falls along this because the Bible uh, actually includes the day of the Lord as also his second coming. So the day of the Lord is in two parts. One called the rapture, and the second, the second coming of Jesus Christ. Where if you were to study the book of Revelation, you would see in chapter 19 of the book of Revelation that the church, the bride of Christ, is behind Jesus when he returns. Mounted on horses. All of you horse-loving people should be happy about that. Okay, now we don't know, well, what we do know, I think, I think, you know, all dogs go to heaven, okay, it's, there's, a, there's a movie about that, so it might be true. We know cats do not. Because cats, they just stare at you when you're sleeping, just dreaming of how to get even with you for your shortcomings, okay? But we do know there's horses because we are with the Lord as he returns for his second coming. So we are not obviously on the planet for the seven-year tribulation because, because the book of 1 Thessalonians, Paul taught these people that, that the church will not suffer God's wrath. We are not appointed God's wrath. And that's very, very clear, okay? So the other thing is, if you this morning believe that Jesus Christ could come back at any moment to catch us up, you believe in what we call a doctrine called the eminency. The eminency of Jesus Christ, meaning his return is imminent. We know he's coming back. So it's eminent that he comes back. But if you believe that he could come back at any time, then you, are a, then you by default, are pre-trib, rapture. Pre-tribulation rapture, because it can't be any other way. So that already pre-qualifies you as pre-trib. So, so the day of the Lord, two sections. Now, if you even want to get more technical about that, the book of Revelation in chapter 20 talks about the great white throne judgment when all those whose names are not written in the Lamb's Book of Life, he talks about that period, and that is also called the Day of the Lord. Okay, so it can get a little bit confusing. So as you study your eschatology, you need to understand these things, that there, that there are two comings like that. Now, 
the book of 2 Thessalonians was written, okay, by Paul. He found it necessary because the, the, the church in Thessalonia thought they were left behind. There was a letter that was being circulated. It kind of refers to that here, that the rapture had already happened and that they were left behind. And so Paul wrote this as a correction to that theology, and, and we will refer to that when we read this. Now, I can remember as a teenager, probably one of the things that, that as my testimony goes, one, one of the events that brought me into this movement or the, that, that uh, we, call the, the, uh, we call the literal interpretation of the Scriptures and, and actually, the Calvary Chapel movement, which, which the Ranch Church is an affiliate of, is Calvary Chapel, is this verse-by-verse -verse study through the Bible, which I highly recommend. I highly recommend that. In fact, it drew me in. But I was invited as, as a, uh, between my eighth grade uh, year and my freshman year in high school at a summer gathering where a small little Methodist church in a little town in North Dakota, they showed a movie called A Thief in the Night. Now, being raised in, a, in the Catholic church, I had never heard of the rapture before. I, I, in fact, eschatology was just not a part of my upbringing. And so I was lost but this movie was about people who, especially this, this one young lady, was left behind when the rapture happened. And it was a cheesy, badly done movie with low lighting and probably no budget. But it absolutely impacted me to the point where I was scared. It scared hell out of me. Okay? didn't scare the hell out of me. It scared hell out of me because I received Christ as my Lord and Savior that night. But this whole idea of, of the rapture then, it, it, it started to cause a movement in this country where we had this book uh, by, by uh, Tim LaHaye. He wrote this book. Uh, Tim LaHaye is the, is the person that's instrumental in writing the Left Behind series. Remember, and then there were some movies made about the Left Behind series. And there was a, uh, The Great Late Planet Earth by Hale Lindsey came out. One, it, was a, it was probably the m biggest selling book other than the Bible for like 10 years. And there was this spiritual awakening where people were understanding that we are living in the time of the signs. Because we've all heard the, the signs of the times, but we're living in the times of the signs. In this culture, in this society, we are definitely... Uh, experiencing these things that the Bible's talking about. The other thing that uh, I experienced as a new believer in those days was contemporary Christian music. They never existed. And then we had groups come out like Second Chapter of Acts and Keith Green. I mean, the list goes on and on and on, Sweet Comfort Band. And there's a guy by the name of Larry Norman. Did anybody here speak in my language? Yeah. Yeah, so there's some, there's some, yeah, let's hear it for the old people right here. The old, yes, yes. Larry Norman, which DC Talk, does anybody even remember DC Talk? Come on, remember, yeah, yeah, getting a little bit more recent, okay? But anyway, yeah, not, not really, right? But they did a song called I Wish We'd All Been Ready. There was a group by DeGarmo and Key, my favorite. DeGarmo and Key, I was a big fan. They did a song called Ready or Not, right? And then there was a group called Farrell and Farrell. It was actually a husband and wife team. They called themselves Farrell and Farrell. They did a song, very catchy, Get Right or Get Left. <laughs> Does anybody remember Get Right or Get Left? One? I still have a cassette tape of Farrell and Farrell. <laughs> It's in a box in my garage, and my wife is mad at me because I'm hanging on to these old things. And she said, will you just get rid of that stuff? I just can't. And then, of course, Crystal Lewis. Y'all got to remember Crystal Lewis. People get ready. People get ready. Oh, we're getting, we're, they're starting to get down over there. Like, can I get you a mic? She's going to come and sing that song. Yeah. Awesome. So, so, we, so the thing about it is we hear 
in this congregation here are, you know, for the most part, very well versed in the rapture, and we kind of know the, the sequence of events. But the people in this church of uh, Thessalonica, I can always have a hard time saying Thessalonica. I got to say it real close. They, they obviously needed a refresher in this course because actually Paul wasn't with them very long. All right, so that all being said, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 1. Now concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our being gathered together with him, we ask you, brothers, not to be quickly shaken in mind or alarmed either by spirit or a spoken word or a letter seeming to be from us to the effect that the day of the Lord has come. Let no one deceive you in any way, for that day will not come unless the rebellion, some of you have the falling away, the word is apostasia. Unless the apostasia comes first and the man of lawlessness is revealed, the son of destruction, who opposes and exalts himself against every so-called God or object of worship, so that he takes his seat in the temple of God, proclaiming himself to be God. That is a mouthful right there. Those four verses right there, I don't know. There's, I can't think of a more jam-packed four verses in the Bible than that right there. There is so much there. So let's Let's break this message up into two parts. We got this first part talking about the apostasy, and then we'll go through 5 through 12 where we're going to talk about the mystery of lawlessness. First of all, let's break this down, okay? Now, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to two different events, right? The second coming of Jesus Christ and the rapture. And, and quickly, not to be shaken in mind. So he says... Don't be so quick to be shaken in mind. Now, in the book of Matthew chapter 24, I'm going to make reference to that real quick. The disciples came to Jesus, and they asked Jesus a, a simple question, that, actually a three-part question. When, when will the temple be destroyed, okay? And what are the signs of your second coming, and what are the signs of the end of the age? There's a three-part question in that, in that question. But before Jesus answered any of their questions, the first thing he came out of, of his mouth concerning that was, don't be deceived. In fact, three times in the book of Matthew chapter 24, in this dissertation, talking about these things, he reminds them, don't be deceived. So deception, the deception of the church is this mystery of lawlessness, okay? So, so don't be deceived as if from us, okay? So which, which begs the, the, us to understand how it is that we are not to be deceived. Let me just use a contemporary example of that, all right? So let's say you got hired by Chumash Casino, Okay, there he is right there. There's a human resources represented right here. You need a job, go talk to, to Miguel right there. Okay, so, <laughs> so you get hired by Shoematch and you're going to be called upon to handle large amount of green money, green currency, okay? So what is going to happen in your training then is you are going to start studying the real thing. They're going to give you stacks of cash to start just counting, start, start handling it, start handling it. If you're a bank teller, if you're a cashier, same kind of thing. You've got to understand the real thing. You will look and you will study the $100 bill. You'll study the $50 bill. You'll know what it looks like. And then in your part of your training, they're going to slip a counterfeit in there. And they're going to see if you know. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden, bam, whoa, you feel it. You see it. Something's off here. Something's different about this. So, so understanding then that you're going to be able to recognize the counterfeit money by, by studying the real thing and being so familiar with the real thing, with the real thing, you can't be fooled. 
You won't be fooled very easily, okay? It's no different here with your scriptures. We need to study to show ourselves approved. Let me give you another example of that. Would you have any idea, if you were to look up right now, Google it, right, with your little computer, that's what I call this thing, little computer here. If you were to Google something here and you were to ask Google how many organized religions there are on the planet Earth right now, I'll bet you you would be, you would be surprised beyond belief. How many just, just are, there, are there more than 500? Anybody? 2,500? You're getting warm. Not, you're not hot yet. There's over 4,000 organized religions on the planet. Do you have time to study all of those so that you can be prepared? If somebody from a, you know, a false doctrine or false religions comes up to you and, and hands you a, a flower at the airport or whatever it is that they do now, knocking at your door, right? They're knocking at your door. No, do you know what? We barely have enough time in your day-to-day life to study this. Can I, can I get a witness right there, yeah? Yeah, life is, life is busy. Life is hard. You have to actually purposely, purposely set aside time to do this. If you don't, you're going to find something else to do, right? And, 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 and we live in a planet, we live in an earth right now that, that has so many diversions. There's just a lot to do out there other than study the Bible, okay? So, we, so let no one deceive you in any way, for that day will not come unless, unless the apostasia comes first. Now, the word apostasia means departure. It means to leave. That's all it means. There's nothing mysterious about that word. And that's a, that's a problem with us when we read the Bible. We're looking for mysterious things because we want to be like on the cutting edge of the know. We want to impress our brothers and sisters. Yeah, I knew that. I knew that, right? But there are certain ministries in the Bible that we are, we, we are expected to know. In fact, if you were to type in the word mystery in a concordance or online concordance, you will find that there's actually 22 22 uh, actual words for mystery in the, in the New Testament and none in the Old Testament. You know that, why that is? It's because the New Testament is concealed in the Old Testament. It's concealed. And so, and so these mysteries are revealed to us by studying the scriptures. And Paul will say, let me show you a mystery. Timothy, Peter will say, let me show you a mystery in the book of Timothy. And so we see that one of these mysteries we're talking about here is this apostasia, this lawlessness, the mystery of lawlessness, okay? Now, the word, the word only appears, apostasia only appears one other time in the Bible, and that's in the book of Acts, chapter 21, verse 21. And basically what it is, is they're after Paul, the, the the, the Judaizers and, 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 and the Jews, they're, after, they're all after Paul because he's teaching the people to forsake the law of Moses. And so, and so that's, what they, that's what this rumor is going around about Paul's teaching. And so, and so his life was in danger, okay? But he was teaching people to forsake the law of Moses, which is basically another word of saying depart from the law of Moses. That's where you find that word apostasia. We get that word today, apostasy, apostasy, and more about that later when in the second half of this scriptures. All right, so we can read this two ways, two ways. The first way is that this, that you did not miss the rapture because it won't come until the departure happens first. Or you could put the word in, the rapture comes first. It can, be, it can be understood like that. So the day of the Lord cannot come until the rapture happens first, or, or the, departing, the departing of the unfaithful. So you could put it like this. Apostasy would be departing of the unfaithful. People who have left the church, 
the rapture is the departing of the faithful. So the, the, so the faithful depart the planet, okay? But apostasy is the unfaithful depart the church. Now, how do I know that? Okay, how, how do I know that? Well, short answer, I read the Bible. Okay, it's in the Bible. Let me show you where that is. Matthew chapter 13. Matthew chapter 13. In fact, let's, let's, let's go to 1 John first. It'll probably work better if we go to 1 John first. 1 John chapter 2, verse 18. 1 John chapter 2, verse 18. And it goes like this. Oh, I still hear, I still hear pages rustling. I'll be, I'll be patient with my paper people. Okay, you digital people are there already, right? Yeah, yes. I understand the draw of digital. I study, I study on digital, but I, but I love my, I love the paper. Okay, First John, First John chapter two verse eighteen, children. It is the last hour, and as you have heard, that antichrist is coming. So now many antichrists have come. Ooh, what's going on here? Antichrist is coming, but there's a lot of them already have come. Well, that's interesting. You know what the word anti, anti, the word anti, that, that, uh, that anti in front of Christ is, is basically means an opposition of, but the actual word is not antichrist, it's pseudo-Christ. Pseudo-Christ means in the place of Christ, okay? So that's false teachers, false teaching, false religion, pseudo-Christ, people who, who say, oh, that's not the way. This is the way. And so they come in, they creep in. But here, let's, let's, let's look at this even more deeper. Therefore, we know that it is the last hour. They, this is Antichrist. They went out from us, but they were not of us. If they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that it might become plain that they were, are all not of us. Now, let's, let me help you guys understand something. Not all unbelievers are apostates. Not all unbelievers are apostates. But all apostates were once in the church. They once were considered believers. Either they considered themselves believers or we thought they were. Isn't that kind of interesting? How many of us here, you know, you don't have to get in detail because there's so many of us. How many of you here know people who you thought were so solid, were so in, were so in that I can't, oh, I could never be a, such a solid Christian as them. Ten years later, they're gone. And not only are they gone, they're out there, they're out there propagating another gospel. Another gospel. Okay, that is apostasy. Okay, so they came from us. Now, Matthew chapter 13, Jesus taught a parable. Matthew chapter 13, we know that as the parable of the wheat and the tares, or the parable of the wheat and the weeds. Matthew chapter 13, 24. I'm just going to read the parable. But if you were to read on further in Matthew chapter 13, you can find out for yourself that Jesus himself gives the interpretation of this parable just a few verses on, okay? So it's, so it's worth reading. It's worth going home and studying this. Matthew chapter 13, verse 24. Jesus put another parable before them saying, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while his men were sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. So when the plants came up and bore grain, then the weeds appeared also. Then the servants of the master of the house came and said to him, Master, did you not sow good seed in your field? So then does it have, so how then does it have weeds? He said to them, an enemy has done this. So the servants said to him, then do you want us to go and gather them? Verse 29, but he said, no, 
lest in gathering the weeds you root up the wheat along with them. Let both grow together until the harvest, and at harvest time I will tell the reapers, gather the weeds first and bind them in bundles to be burned, but gather the wheat into my barn. Amen for that parable. You see, there are over 105 biblical passages that talk about false teachers, false religion, the mystery of lawlessness. And what makes that a mystery is because you can't tell the difference between the wheat and the tares when they're, when they're just little shoots coming out of the ground. You can't tell. You don't know. I lost my mic here. There we go. And it's, and it's so hard to tell that you're going to end up destroying the good crop if you go try to weed out the bad. It's going to manifest. Remember the verse that says, Lord, Lord, didn't we cast out demons in your name? Didn't we heal in your name? Didn't we blah, 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 all in your name? And he says, away from you, for I never knew you. Those are these. Those are these. These are the terrors. Okay? This mystery of lawlessness that creeps into the church, what is their motive? That's always, that's always been a mystery to me. What motivates these people to want to come into churches, churches all around the country, and, and to want to teach false religion? Let me tell you what, there's a general there, and his name is Satan. Okay, because that is the enemy that went and sowed those seeds. There is a definite satanic influence. Whether these people know it or not, there is a satanic influence. Now, Dan, so, so Daniel chapter 9 talks about this event called the abomination that causes desolation. The abomination that causes desolation, or as Jesus referred to in Matthew 24 in the dissertation about, the, about the, his second coming, that, that is called the abomination of desolation. But there is going to come in the middle of the tribulation period a time when, a, when an image, an image of Antichrist, this coming world ru ruler, this one that has over 30 titles in the scriptures, the beast, right? The beast is the one that you hear all the time. His number is 666. And then everybody goes, ah, right? And woo, and everybody, and all the uh, satanic rock music that's out there. There's probably over 500 album covers out there that have 666 on them and then have a satanic picture or an upside down crucifix or whatever it is. There's this allure that this is, this, is the, this is the epitome of badness on our planet, right? The Antichrist. But did you know that when he comes on the scene, he's going to be so charismatic, such a man of peace, Brad Pitt has nothing on him. <laughs> and he is going to have all the answers and he is going to be such a charismatic leader that Jesus referred to him as saying, look, I come in my Father's name and you reject me, but there's another coming in his own name and him you'll accept. And trust me, the Jews will embrace this man until this event happens in the temple. At the three and a half year mark of the seven year tribulation, he erects an image in the temple and he causes all to bow and worship him. And then that is when the, actually the great tribulation is kicked off because the, in, in uh, Matthew chapter 24, you know what Jesus tells the Jews who are alive? You know what his word is to them? Run! You run! And woe to those who are nursing, who are pregnant. But you run when you see that happen. And they do, they run. And Israel, as a, as a corporate Corporately, as a nation, all Israel will be saved on that day. And that's just amazing times coming. Amazing times coming. So that, we, so, so that is the one who opposes himself, and he takes his seat in the temple of God. Now remember, as I said, the temple of God was still standing at the, at the writing of this, of this, this uh, epistle. But it was so 
thrown down in 70 AD, okay, that not one stone was left standing on another, and so complete was that devastation. And that was also a prophecy by Jesus Christ. All right, that is part one. How am I doing so far? We're getting close. We're getting close to getting out of here, okay? The second part's going to go quicker, all right? So, so those of you, you know, who have plans and hungry, uh, what is it, rotisserie chicken and salad? Come on. Some good stuff back there. Dinner rolls and cookies. Some, yeah. So lunch is here. All right. Verse 5, 2 Thessalonians verse 5. Do you not remember that when I was still with you, I told you these things? So Paul is reminding of his teachings, okay? He reminds them that we talked about this, okay? Stay true to what, that, to what I've already taught you. Verse 6, and, and you know what is restraining him now so that he may be revealed in his time. And we're talking about Antichrist. So, so the coming of the Antichrist, the revelation of who he is, there is a resurge, there's something restraining this revelation. Verse 7, for the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. This was, 50, this was 59 AD, or 51 AD. And false teachers were already there. It had only been like 20-some years Jesus ascended. And they're already there. And the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. And it's been going on for the last 2,000 years of what we call the church age, the age we're living in right now, this 2,000-year period. Only he who now restrains it will do so until he is out of the way. And then the lawlessness will be, lawless one will be revealed whom the Lord Jesus will kill with the breath of his mouth and bring to nothing by the appearance of his coming. Okay, now, the restrainer. Let's let, we're we're going to stop here. We'll get into 9 through 12. We'll finish with that in a minute. The, the restrainer is, is an interesting concept but it bears, it bears further understanding of what's going on here, all right? Now, if you were to say that the Holy Spirit is the restrainer, you would be correct, but it's, that's not completely correct, though. And it doesn't say that the Holy Spirit will be removed. It says the Holy Spirit will be taken out of the way. For further explanation of that, we need to understand what happens to you and I uh, the very moment that we surrender our hearts to our Lord Jesus Christ, and we, we experience what we call being born again. On that, in that very moment, the Holy Spirit takes up residence within us. In fact, all of us here this morning our temple, or the temple of the Holy Spirit. And not only that, us here collectively are also, this church are also the temple of the Holy Spirit. We're living stones, if you would. We're the living stones. <laughs> it's our new name, right? Michael Livingston. We're the living stones that make up the temple of God, which is a spiritual temple because he no longer dwells or, you know, even temporarily in the temple. And we also know by our eschatology that in the book of Ezekiel and then also in the book of Daniel, and, and I could go on and on, there is going to be another temple that is built. There's going to be a rebuilt temple in Jerusalem. And I like to always tell this story is living in Ridgecrest, California, working at China Lake Navy Air Weapons Station there, where I would drive past this, the future site of the Home Depot, okay? Because we finally got a Home Depot in Ridgecrest, California, right? And, and so I drive up China Lake Boulevard, go out to the naval base out there, and I'd look over and they'd be pouring you know, the concrete, doing all the dirt work and things like that. So I go to work in the morning and I look over, and yeah, that's coming along. After work, I come back down, and there's a Home Depot standing up. <laughs> Little did I know that what, what they do is it's called a tilt-up, right? They poured all the walls 
and they, and, and they were all laying on the ground. I just didn't notice that they were all laying on the ground. So what happened was, was while I was at work, they stood them all up, and, and then Home Depot was built in one day. That's what it looked like. It was amazing. But trust me on this. There will be a new temple erected in Jerusalem. And we as Christians don't, yes, let's get excited because that is a sign, right? As another sign of the times, right? But also, this temple is, is, is not a place that accepts Christ as Lord and Savior. They reject Jesus. They are, they are as the book of Revelation said, this is part of the synagogue of Satan. So understand that. So yeah, get excited, but don't, let's not get behind it. I don't know if we really should donate money to that, okay? But just be real careful about that one, okay? However, however, this, this indwelling of the Holy Spirit as being the temple of God is, is the power on this planet Still, even though it's, 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 our numbers are getting smaller and smaller and smaller all the time as, as every day goes by, there's a, there is a great falling away. <coughs> Excuse me. We see there is apostasy happening right now. For the first time in, in the year 2021, less than 50% of our population, in fact, it's down to 47% of people in our, in our, in our society attend church. The rest of them, they used to. They used to. It was up to 90% in 1970. Now it's 47%. There's a lot of people disguised as empty chairs here this morning, right? And it's happening all across our country. In fact, we have, we're experiencing something called the, the rise of the religious nuns. Now we're not talking about nuns with nunchucks, okay? No, the religious nons is N-O-N-E, not N-U-N-S, okay? So when you go and say you fill out a hospital questionnaire or, or a census or anything like that, on the bottom of those, they say, what is your religious affiliation? And the last one is none, okay? In 1970, the religious nons were 9%. According to Gallup, the religious nons are at 29% today. People just aren't affiliated with any church at all. They just don't want anything to do with it. And so is an interesting, you know, side note here is that we here as the, as the church represent the restrainer. We see how the breakdown of society is right now. It is awful to be living in this. We see how... how the trend of our society is trending towards lawlessness day by day. It's just moving in that direction. It really is. And we're trying as hard as we can. We're on our knees fighting that battle. But can you imagine what happens when we're gone? Because it is the Holy Spirit dynamic in the church that is restraining the, the, the evil one, the Antichrist, from, from being revealed and to taking his place as the coming world ruler. There are so many scriptures. I, I just run out of time to go into that realm right now, okay? But we know that when Jesus returns at his second coming, he will destroy him, okay, as the Bible says right now, okay? That uh, verse eight says that Jesus will kill with the breath of his mouth. All right, let's run for home. Verses nine through 12. The coming of the lawless one is by the activity of Satan with all false power or with all power and false signs and wonders. We call that spurious miracles. And with all wicked deception for those who are perishing because they refuse to love the truth and so be saved. The truth. Therefore, God sends them strong delusions so that they may believe what is false in order that they may be condemned who not, did not believe the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. So there is, right there in a nutshell, what we are living in today. We are living in a time when people are, 
are refusing the truth. Not only that, is there, re, there is no love of the truth in them. And so because of that, they get to go and, and, and when, they, when they fill out a college uh, uh, entrance exam, they get to choose, they get over 32 choices what gender they are. And how dare we as California parents how dare you have the audacity to be able to choose what gender your child is when he's born? Well, I shouldn't say he, when it's born, right? And so there is, there is a place on birth certificates where it says, to be determined. Yeesh. You, you tell me we're in a society right now that has love for the truth. There's no love for the truth. And in fact, the whole notion of truth has been attacked for such a long time, but now it's really gaining steam. So when somebody says to you, there is no absolute truth, all you have to do is tell them, are you absolutely sure? <laughs> because truth, you know, they, they say it's objective. Well, it's relative. You know, what's, what's your truth is good for you, okay? But I have my own truth. Good luck with that when you're face-to-face -face with your creator. Good luck with that, okay? When the Bible tells us that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life, okay, that is a definite article. It doesn't say he is a way or he has some truth or there's some life. No, that, that definite article there, the, as we read it here, the apostasy, that's an event, the, the apostasy, the departure, the way, the truth, the life. There, there's that big one right there, right in the middle, the truth. That's the truth. Jesus, what, the, the truth is Jesus Christ. The book of John, chapter one, says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. That's truth, ladies and gentlemen. So this morning, as we close, there's a couple things I just have to invite you to do. If anybody has any business, does anybody has any business right now with the Lord? <laughs> We have a prayer team that I'm going to invite up here, stand up here, as I do every Sunday morning. They come on up here. So prayer team, would you come on up? There will always be, from this, from, as, as, as it has in the past, an open invitation for anybody here that needs to do business with our God to get together with these wonderful people and, and, to help, and they will help you. They will pray for you. They will help you with, give you an understanding. They will, they, they will invest in you. Look at these, these wonderful people. They, they are standing up here because they have, they have answered the call to invest in you. One of the hardest things we, that we can do as members of the church being filled with the Holy Spirit is to want to give of our time and invest in the church. Now, in closing, I do say this. If, in fact, the, the Gallup poll is accurate and there are so many people who used to come to church who no longer come to church, what is up with that? In fact, who is it up to to get them back to church? It's us. It is up to us. Would you please pray that God would send you a burden for your neighbors and for your, for your workmates, for your children, your relatives? Will you pray that that burden comes upon you? And that when you, before you get out, in the mor get out of bed in the morning, could you just ask the Lord, who can you send me today? Send me somebody. Let's go out from this place and let's make it our responsibility to fill these seats.
And, to, and it doesn't have to be this church. It can be any church. But to get those religious nuns back into church. Let's turn the tide while we're still here. We need to redeem the time. Because, because as I understand the time of the signs that we're living right now, it is short. It is really short. It is dangerously close. That the Jesus Christ is coming back. In fact, wouldn't even surprise me one bit that he wouldn't come back right now. Okay, because there was nothing holding him back. Okay, scripturally, biblically, there, there's nothing that has to be fulfilled. In the last 30 years, he could be coming back. Ever since Israel became a nation in 1948, he could be coming back. He could come back at any moment. So please, please, ask Jesus. Ask the Holy Spirit. Ask your Heavenly Father. Give me a burden. Put somebody in my life. Let's pray. Father, as we come before you, Lord, we do ask this. We do ask that you use, use us, use me. Give me the courage, the boldness. Give me the spirit to discern those people that are around me on my daily walk that need you and that need you desperately. Because there are so many that do not have the love of the truth, there are going to be so many that perish. But none of these people have to. It is your will that none should perish. Give us that burden. And Father, as we now spend some time with you and spend some time with, in fellowship with the other members of the body of Christ as living stones to this living temple that you called us to, in this time of fellowship, we ask that you bless this meal, that you bless the hands that prepared this, that, that you uh, also help it to nourish our bodies and to give us a wonderful time of fellowship just to love on one another. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You guys have a great week. Thank you for listening to the Rick Soto Podcast. For more information about Pastor Rick Soto and the Ranch Church, go to ranchchurch.com.